It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. My gift is my song and my song is for you. That is such fantastic news for Elton John fans to wake up to this morning. We were teasing about it and uh, it was being teased uh, certainly from Aiken Promotions all week that it looked like it was going to be Elton John coming to Cork as part of his farewell Yellow Brick Road. It is the final tour and the fantastic announcements for us here in Cork that he's going to play Porky Cueve on Friday the 1st of July at 2022. So a little under a year for Elton John fans to uh, wait and it's in total it's a 32 date stadium tour of Europe and uh, North America. It starts in Frankfurt on the 27th of May and it ends up in Los Angeles on the 19th of uh, December. But it brings him right around uh, Europe, Frankfurt, uh, Milan. He's going to Paris. He'll be over in the UK. He'll be in Wales, in Swansea, coming to us from, actually he comes from Swansea to us, to Porky Creeve on the 1st of uh, July. And then across July, September, from July through to September, October into November, then he will be in the States. It's going to be a huge, huge uh, concert. And even the little clip that we heard Barry play on the news, it you know, he's very much saying that this is it. This is the last one. He's not going to be like what we've seen from some other artists in the past where they'll do a farewell concert. Then they'll have a bit of a reunion concert and then they'll have another farewell uh, concert. He is certainly he will he'll always be remembered as one of the top selling solo artists of all time and it will be hard even going forward to see this man being beaten I mean if you just look at the rec- his record for the number of top selling albums one diamond 38 platinum and multi-platinum albums 28 gold uh, albums 50 top 40 hits and in total he has sold more than 300 million euro 300 million records uh, worldwide. That is an incredible uh, achievement. And of course, he holds the record for the biggest selling single of all time. And it was his version of Candle in the Wind for 1997, the one that he re-recorded and that he sang live at Princess Diana's funeral. Remember that? And that has gone down and is still the biggest selling single of all time. So farewell to Yellow Brick Road, the 1st of July, with the tickets uh, going on sale. 
this day next week, Thursday the 22nd of July, 9 o'clock in the morning and it will be from the usual Ticketmaster outlets and I heard our own Ken Tobin on breakfast saying let's wait and see how fast these tickets will sell out. So next Thursday, 9am Ticketmaster outlets if you want to grab one of those tickets which is Hot Press has said this is going to be a lesson and a masterclass in how to say goodbye. The Guardian said Rocket Man reaches the stars on his last ever tour. It really And it's going to be just a magical, magical uh, weekend across Cork and in the, the lead up to it, lead up to all of those concerts is always fantastic as well. Anyway, we welcome you along to the programme today. Uh, happy Thursday to you. John Paul's taking your calls at 18 1850 You can text your WhatsApp 0862103103. And actually, while we opened talking about the good news of Elton John uh, coming to Cork, can I continue with the good news in that we are set for a scorcher of a weekend? temperatures are going to continue to soar day on day over the coming days. I mean, when I was reading out the weather forecast uh, there, it's saying temperatures today could go as high as 25 degrees in some area. There were some parts of the country yesterday hit 23 uh, degrees and it's this high pressure in the southwest and what it's doing is it's slowly moving up over Ireland and it's going to move up over the next few days and then it brings with it increasing amount of sunshine and temperatures them. Met Aaron are saying temperatures for Saturday and Sunday could go to 27 degrees. That's that that's will make it certainly the hot they, if it does hit 27 degrees on either Saturday or Sunday it'll be the hottest day of the year so far this year and the good news is that the high temperatures look like they're going to be hanging around for a while yet. Miss Aaron said things are looking similar for the first two or three days of next week. They won't promote they won't let us know any further than that they're always in fairness they're always very cautious about going too far ahead I suppose not to disappoint people but certainly this weekend if you've anything planned outdoor activity wise make sure you've got this sunscreen with you but anyone who is starting a staycation this week you will be truly blessed with the wonderful weather that we are uh, expecting and people who are going about doing staycationing and planning holidays this year and people trying to get back indoors for indoor dining particularly if you're on your holidays people who are still unvaccinated should not try to be heading into pubs or to go on holidays abroad amid fears that the country is now at the start of another dangerous COVID-19 wave. Dr Tony Houlihan reckons we have a difficult 10 weeks ahead of us and he threw I thought a bit of a curveball yesterday for parents when he said parents should not bring their children into a pub or a restaurant when we do get back to dining indoors he says if you want to bring them out for a meal do but he says you should be doing the dining outside and that's because of course the higher rates of infection are among the 13 to 18 year olds expectations for hundreds of thousands of people were very much dampened by him yesterday as he signalled he says it's going to be a two tier summer with the fully vaccinated we're almost at 60% of the population now fully vaccinated he's saying they're free to avail of pubs free to avail of restaurants and even said free to avail of European travel but the unvaccinated who are most at risk from this highly infectious Delta variant 
need to hold out until they are, are protected. And he said, look, that's not that far away. So he gave out the two messages yesterday. Fully vaccinated. You can resume, take up all of the activities that are open and available. But he did say to the fully vaccinated people, if you've got any respiratory symptoms at all, then the advice is not to be uh, mixing. He said to those waiting on uh, a vaccine at the very minimum, he said to try to differentiate themselves from activities that you may deem are high risk. So I suppose going into to a very busy restaurant or going into a very busy bar he would deem that high risk and then he says look your vaccine isn't that far away they're reckoning now by September every adult who wants a vaccine should be fully vaccinated although government legislation on indoor hospitality does allow for two for fully vaccinated parents to bring children under 18s into restaurants or into a pub Tony Houlihan yesterday saying you don't have to go indoors. He said we know Delta transmission among children can happen and is happening. And then Professor Philip Nolan who tracks the way the virus is going in this country he says the growth in incidence of the more contagious form is highly linked to unvaccinated people. Highest rate has been seen in the 19 to 24 year olds That's followed by the 13 to 18 year olds. And then the third highest group is the 25 to 34 year olds. It's still not clear, though, how an escalation in the spread will impact on hospitalisations and obviously impact on uh, deaths. Philip Nolans said where we typically had two admissions every five days to intensive care, we're now looking at an average of one admission uh, per day where this is going into the future. He says we're not in entirely clear. So that's still the numbers are still low in the hospitals, but that is still worrying. Yesterday we were 73 patients in hospital and 20 seriously ill in intensive care, just slightly up on the day before. And of course, the number of new cases yesterday reported was very close to 800, 783. And we haven't seen numbers like that in quite some time. And looking at the breakdown of the figures, the worst hit areas are Buncrana and Karen Donna. They're in Donegal and they're very much linked to the north and the rising cases in Northern Ireland and the spillage over and back uh, across the border. Next highest uh, worst hit areas was an area of Limerick City. It was the north area of Limerick City and then an area called Ongar that's in West Dublin and then another very high area was RD in County Louth. The Deputy Chief Medical Officer Ronan Glim said near nearly one in ten cases in the last two weeks were travel related uh, with Spain, Britain and Portugal among the top top countries where people return from who were testing uh, positive. So people uh, who are not vaccinated are still very much taking a risk if they do decide to uh, travel abroad. But there is a bit of good news for the younger people in the younger age groups. The There is a shout out now gone to the 25 to 29 year olds. You can register for an mRNA vaccine from tomorrow the portal opens at uh, hse.ie for the 25 to 29 year olds. At the moment, of course, 18 to 34 year olds can already register with a pharmacy if they want to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. But if people would prefer to get an mRNA, now they will have a, a longer wait, uh, there, but they can go through the portal. But that opens up t- 
tomorrow and I was just seeing online just there before it came on that the HSE is linking up with dating platforms to try to promote the rollout of the vaccine uh, programme. The association's going to uh, will, the association will involve dating apps like Tinder, Match, OK Cupid, Hinge and Plenty of Fish. The HSE said the aim is, is to encourage the users of these dating apps to support and receive their COVID-19 vaccine when it is offered to them. Paul Reid said it's a great way to bring the campaign to a wider audience and then came the announcement from the Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly that the 25 to 29 year olds can register for their mRNA vaccine from tomorrow. So we're going to be talking later on in this hour about the state pension and how some older people who are solely relying on the uh, the state pension are finding it very hard to make ends meet with the cost of living uh, going up and some are actually in food poverty which is a scary thing to think about for older people but Dennis says uh, those older people that you're going to be talking about who worked all of their lives why didn't they pay into a private pension to make provision for their future old age requirements rather than being a burden and having to live on the state uh, pension. Uh, yeah, Dennis, I don't know if it's always as easy as, as that. I mean, it could be people can work all of their lives, but they mightn't have worked in a job. They paid a lot. They could have had a lot of other uh, other expenses that had to be paid, like people paying off mortgages, maybe putting children through college, that it isn't always the case that people are in a position to pay into a pension. I mean, you look at some of the workers today who are paying huge even rents. They don't even own their own houses. I mean, there's a report out showing that there's a percentage of people paying over 30% of their take-home pay is going out on uh, rent and higher than 30% and they, they everyone agrees you shouldn't pay more than 30% be that on a mortgage or on rent so there are people certainly younger people who are at work today who would love the idea of paying into a private pension but literally can't do it and likewise people who are living on the state pension today who as you say could have worked all of their lives they didn't have much choice they didn't have the money to plough it into a private pension so it isn't always as easy as saying oh it's your own fault you didn't pay into a private pension but thank you for your text to OA Six two one zero three one zero three, and make sure you keep a note of that text miss that text number and WhatsApp number because on the program today we'll be giving away another one of our C one zero three smart speakers. Uh, this, we're giving these away with done deal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Uh, we'll give you the cue to tell you when to text, and then one lucky listener will join me on air. But you need to have the winning phrase, and the winning phrase, of course, is this play C one zero three because when you win your smart speaker, that. That's what we'll be asking you to do every morning when you get up. Play C103 on your smart uh, speaker. So keep listening out for that. And we'll be doing it later on in the programme uh, today. John Paul taking your calls. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now two women who have spearheaded a campaign to criminalise stalking have welcomed moves to make it an offence in Irish law. Una Ring from Yall, who saw her stalker jailed earlier this year, joins me to discuss the draft legislation that she's actually helped uh, to draw up. Good morning to you, Una. Good morning. Thanks again for having me Well, on. great to have you back on, on the programme uh, again. And well done on this, because I know a lot of work has gone into this behind the scenes. And I was just thinking, Una, has working on this legislation in some way helped you to heal from what you've yes. endured? Definitely, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it just makes you feel that 
you're turning a negative into a positive and it kind of makes you feel empowered that you're 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 taking back i suppose essentially what was taken away from you like your self-confidence um you know it, it just makes you feel better about about yourself and about what 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 you know what you went through you know so it's definitely i think definitely has, has well done has me and, seen, it will, you know? and let's be honest it will protect people going forward Exactly, and that's why we're doing it. I mean, we we've had our day in court. Um, this isn't for us. This is for the people coming up behind us, and I suppose for the guards as well to give them that bit more power, so that they can intervene at an earlier stage and you know save people going through what what you know what what it, es- what it can escalate to, and you know what what could have actually happened. Thank God the guards prevented it. But I mean. I don't know what would have happened that night, but it, it it wouldn't have been a good outcome, you know. So I mean, if it if it if intervention can happen at an earlier stage and somebody be charged with stalking rather than the girls trying to get them under harassment, then you know it, it would make a huge difference. And it's badly needed. I mean, when you have to install CCTV cameras, uh, you know, um, steal your letterbox so petrol won't be poured through and. You know, get extra security locks on your on your doors, like that's stalking. That's far beyond harassment. And, and it's you know, no, it's no way to live. It's not. It, it's you're you're a prisoner in your own home. You're a prisoner in your own mind. Um, you know, it's on your mind twenty four seven when you're out in the car. You're you're like I nearly went into the back of somebody because I was checking a car in my rearview mirror because I thought they were following me. <sighs> you know, it's just yeah, it, it takes it, over. It, it never, it completely takes over. And do you over. feel, Una, that many people are still shocked to realise that stalking isn't an actual criminal offence? Yeah, it's just it's it's just taken for granted that it is because it's it's so sinister, you know, um, and and people are unaware that it's that it's not a crime, you know, and like the UK and Scotland, they 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 enforced that legislation like over a decade ago, and we're still we're a decade behind them, and they saw a huge increase in in arrests and prosecutions when they got when they got a standalone crime of, of, of stalking passed, you know. So it's ba- it's very, very badly needed. And I mean, since we put in the put up the website, um, like the amount of emails we've been getting and are still getting from people, it is so prevalent out there. And I suppose it's a very private crime. You don't really want to talk about it because you 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 think that people are going to think that you're looking for attention or that you're making it up or that you're exaggerating. So, like, it really is, it can be a very lonely place to be, you know. So if there was a crime against stalking, probably people would be that bit more inclined to come forward. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And you mentioned the Gardaí and the role the Gardaí played in your particular uh, case. To anyone listening who is a victim of a stalker, would you very much encourage them to report to the Gardaí? I would, of course. Yeah, I think that's your that's your, your your first port of call, really. But you do need to have um, like documentation of, we say, times and dates. Um, we say a few phone messages, like screenshot them and print them off. Print off like I went down with my phone log printed off. Of, they they could clearly see the times that he had rang that I hadn't answered, the times he had rang that I had answered all the messages. I typed up a statement of what had happened. So I gave them a very, very good starting point. I mean, you can't go in with your hands hanging and just accuse somebody of something. You need something to back it up to give the guards a starting point. Um, because but they, they will do, take they it need se- that. But they will take it seriously. Yeah, I mean, they they should take it seriously. 
Okay. You know, I, I, I was very lucky in 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 the guards with the guards and y'all taking it so seriously and putting the the the, the sting operation you know into operation and all that. But I have heard negative feedback about guards in other um, guard stations around the country. But then again, maybe they weren't given the right information or the amount of information that I brought to um, to start it off. So I mean, you you do need to bring with you. You do need to physically go into a guard station with your stuff printed out and say that you want to make a statement and you want a report taken. And then I think they they, they will take you seriously. But I think if you ring them up and say, "Look, don't go down the road of harassing me," you're like they they. You know, they can't go off that. They they do need a bit of background, they do need information and they do need, I suppose they do need proof that it's happening, yeah, you know. Yeah, as you say, you can't just go in and say, I have a feeling that I've been stalked. You're, you're, yeah. And you yeah. will, I mean, it's very clear, you had the hard evidence. I mean, if yeah. somebody is genuinely being stalked, you will mm-hmm. have the, you will have, as you say, yeah. the phone records, the, the, the text messages. Yeah. And, and to go to the lens to have to have CCTV and so on, but to give you peace of mind, I, I can absolutely understand and why people uh, would do that. And I mean, this time last year, Una, you were in the middle of it. In that, I was. You, your stalker, James Steele, was only arrested at the end of July last year. Yeah. So this time last yeah. year. I mean, what was going on in your life this time last year? Like this time last year, like uh, the, the day that Lisa Chambers introduced the bill was the morning I woke up with the X's and O's on my window. And yesterday morning would have been the morning that I woke up with the first letter and um, that was left under my under the windscreen of my car, the windscreen wiper of my car. So, like this time last year, I I knew I was being stalked. I didn't know who the bloody hell it was. Okay, I had a feeling it was him. The guards had a feeling it was him, but we had no proof it was him because his letter stated "Hello, neighbor." You know, so like really, this time last year, I was living in fear, and I didn't know who it was. And I think it was the not knowing was the worst part. When he left the second letter and he was caught on CCTV, I said, "Okay." Now I know who I'm dealing with. You know, but at the time, I didn't know it was somebody in the park where I was living. I didn't know it was somebody, you know, in in the town or in Little Island where I work or, you know. So therefore you you were looking suspiciously at every man. Everybody. 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 And like, you know, you just, everybody is suspicious to you then. And every interaction is suspicious to you and every conversation is suspicious and why did he say this and why did he say that and could it be him and could it be him and could it be him? You know, it's just, it just wrecks your head It ju- and it's just with you 24-7. You can't shut off because even in bed, is, is he going to come back and leave another letter? Is he going to come back and do more spray painting? You know, who can it be? Who can it be? Like once you know, really, it's, um, it's a bit of relief. But when you don't know who it is, it's just so frightening. And a year on, Una, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing much better. Obviously, I still have, I still have down there, and I'm still affected by it. You know, I was out the beach there the other night, and, and a guy just brushed past me on the boardwalk because it was busy, and I nearly lost my life. So I'm obviously still, and I was very rattled over it. So it's still, it is still affecting me. But as you said, it hasn't even been a year since so his arrest. Since his arrest, I still yeah. have a bit of healing to do. You know, but this, this has been a great healing exercise for me. You know, mm-hmm. and and just the fact that I know that even what I've done so far with setting up the website and getting the the bill to where it is now that it's actually drawn up, um, like that 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 has been huge for me. You know, and it has been a huge achievement. And I know now that that has actually started to help people already. You know, 
And how far, talk me through what happens now with the, it's an amendment to the legislation. It has mm-hmm. to go through the houses of the Oireachtas, I take it, is it? Yeah, yeah, like there's, there'll be, this is only step one, like they, where myself and Eve will be travelling to Leinster House in the autumn when Lisa Chambers will kind of, we say, officially introducing it. Um, and then I think there's another two steps. I, like, I've been told the hardest step really that we'll face is when it goes to the committee stage because a lot of a lot of legislation is kind of dropped at that stage, you know, and it's looked at it going, oh, no, we're not going to do any more with this. So I think that's when we'll have the battle, but it, it'll be more or less out of our hands at that stage anyway. Like, we're going to get as much media attention in the autumn as we can um, once it goes to the, to the committee stage. That's when it could be dropped. Um, Hopefully not. So all, all Hopefully we not. can do is cross our fingers. I mean, as I said to somebody, like, Walk a mile in our shoes, you know. If somebody in the uh, in the higher powers that that will be looking at this and deciding on it, if if they went through what myself and Eve went through, there'd be no hesitation in, in getting this passed. You know, it's it's such a serious crime, and I mean, there will be lives lost over this, definitely. And if it's one, it's one too many, you know. And I mean, only for the guards, I don't know what, what would have happened that night, you know. So it's it's ex- it's an extremely serious crime and it needs to be taken seriously and you know with the, with the sinister intention behind it like as I said getting in CCTV and feeding your letterbox in case of petrol and like that, that that's way beyond harassment and harassment doesn't really cover it at all you know Okay and how are your children doing? Yeah they're fine oh. they're fine okay. they're, they are really you know like it, it, it was very very tough on them it was it was extremely frightening um, but they're doing better. They've gotten counselling. They are both still on anti-anxiety medication and probably will be for another But they're both victims of this as well. Of course they are. Yeah. Of course they are. You know, they lived through it with me and like none of us knew what was going to happen, you know, and like I, I, I don't even go there to what would have happened if, if, if the guards hadn't been outside that night and stopped him, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't bear thinking about, you know, I mean, your kids are your whole world and you know, to think that they went through that fear, you know, it's it's it, it's an awful feeling for a mother, like you know, to to feel that unwittingly she brought that to their door. You know, well, so, listen, Dave, you're 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 a mighty woman. They've a great mother, and what you're doing now uh, with Eva for this piece of legislation is just so fantastic for for future uh, women and men. Men can be stopped men, as well. Somebody's yeah, pointing out, but it is it is predominantly, unfortunately, uh, more women. We'll stay in contact with you, uh, Una. Thanks have a have a good summer. You and, too. Thanks uh, a million. Take care. Take care. Yeah, bye bye. Bye That's bye. Uh, the wonderful Una Ring from uh, you But it was only when I was putting the piece together. When I knew Una was joining me when I realised that it was only this time last year that she was in the throes of it and not knowing every day that she got up was something else going to, was her house going to be targeted, was her car going to be t- targeted and every night going to bed, living in dread that this stalker was going to get in on top of her and, and her kids. Just just no way to live, absolutely no way uh, to live. We'll keep an eye on this piece of legislation which says it's going to be the autumn uh, before it's expected to go, go through. It's at the draft legislation stage uh, now. 18 
1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now Paddy O'Brien, the well-known advocate for elderly people, is calling on the Department of Social Protection to look at income gaps faced by older people, some of whom are finding it exceptionally difficult to exist. Paddy O'Brien uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Paddy. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Thanks for asking me on your programme. Paddy, uh, our pleasure. Paddy, it's the people who are solely living on the state pension. It, they're the ones, is it, that you're most concerned about? Yes, and I've been saying this for many, many, many years. It's the, the person just living on the single pension with no, no private pension whatsoever. And um, I mean, I read an article some time ago by uh, Justice Ireland for the Sean Healy, and he was saying something like the high numbers that actually were on the poverty bracket, but an elderly person um, living alone, uh, non-contributory, would receive 237, and a contributor would receive 248. And quite honestly, people coming across, they are finding it difficult to live. And you, I find that the, the most silent people uh, at the moment, our elderly people, they won't speak out at all. I mean, they're embarrassed and a bit ashamed to say, listen, things are rough. Of our, as, as many of the elderly haven't got an increase for two years. Um, it's in, in the, that's the second last by about that we 2019. And as I said, my argument is that people, the, the government must look at the whole situation realistically and not just throw them a five and say, this, this is it, this is it, you know, you know. They must really look at like how much really money do they need? They say that um, uh, the a person, the contributory person in two hundred receiving two hundred forty eight thirty, and um, is forty euro less away from the poverty poverty line. And people are people are yes, that's the one embarrassed to speak out. They don't want to speak out. And then I met a man last week who was telling me how difficult it was finding it to exist. But he said I can't say to my family because they will tell me to leave my home. And there are a lot of problems behind the scenes. That those kind of scenes that we never we never think of. But it's the government or the leaders here I think in this budget they have to, you know, give a reasonable feel to the to, to our elderly people. And the the generation you're talking about, Paddy, are the generation that will prioritise all of the bills. They'll make sure yep. that the gas and the electricity and everything else is, <coughs> is paid. So there's a danger then that some will struggle to provide basic food to put on the table. That's right, Patricia. And I'm very glad you brought those points up because I'll explain about electricity. For many, many years, elderly people, they'd have a very small ASP bill on a monthly basis. But four or five years ago, they reduced the amount of units they were given in free of charge. As a result of that, the elderly people have a higher ASP bill today. Now, go on to the fuel. They used to get six weeks free fuel, elderly people, Heat is very important for elderly people. The medical profession has stated that heat is more important than food. The people I'm coming across, and they're in rural Ireland as well, a lot of them are living old damp houses. They require continuous heat. They're burning a lot of, they're using a lot of money on their, on their, um, on, on the fuel. And you're perfectly right, Jim. They have to pay. They're up to date with, with, with everything, with like, um, fuel and ASB. It's costing them a lot of money. 
Yeah, and I know uh, you've you're back. You're, what you're saying is backed up by a loan in their pre-budget uh, su- submission, uh, where pensions are now officially falling below the poverty line. It is accepted. The evidence is there. Well, the the, the evidence, but I I can almost see it myself. I mean, I was collecting outside a church. Um, for, there's a shrine on the road. I was, I'm involved with that, and we do collection every year. And I was, I was outside a certain church, and this uh, lady came along, and she got on a bit jittery and all that, and she passed me. She smiled at me, and I met her two days afterwards, and uh, she came up. She said, oh, in apology. She said, I passed you with the box. In honesty, she said, I can't afford to get collections anymore. I cannot afford to give money, and you know, I just don't have it. And then that, that that, that's the typical situation of elderly people, and they won't they won't say they won't set it up perhaps their sons and daughters as a result of what I just said there. Um, and I just think it's a pity that uh, many of the elderly do not have a nice quality of life. And as I said in the article, and that article was written by Brida um, um, Graham and, and another temporary woman in the Echo. I, I said that the situation I want is this: for people to say, "I'm happy now." They're not looking for a fortune. They want to be. Their bills paid. They can do nice things. Nice things. Not go mad every day. Like before, not getting hair done every every month was a novelty. Now, so the question that a woman probably should try to wash her hair herself. But she right. can't afford to go to the hairdresser. No, 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 yeah, no, no. It's no. so it's sad. It's so, and, and of course, there's a big difference then if you have two, uh, like a couple living together and sadly one passes away. The income drop into that house, but yet the bills still have to be paid. The, the bills, the bills must be paid. I mean, that lady will get the same, will get the same uh, social welfare uh, for about six weeks after that when her husband, after her husband dying. But then, then it drops. the big adjustment as well. But you're talking about people now who are <clears throat> now with them earning who are earning a couple of hundred euro a week, a couple of hundred a week, and they would drive a car in a nice time, and suddenly that salary is taken away from them, and they're reduced down, down to uh, he or she either two hundred forty-eight contributor or two hundred twenty-seven. It's a big deal. Everything suffers. Everything suffers. I mean, speaking about personal things like elderly people tell me, I feel sad and lonely and embarrassed when my grandchildren come. I used to give them, I say, here you are, I give them a fibre between them. Now she says, I can't give them anything. Like everything is money. Money. That, that, yeah. that, that, that is tough and that argument that you'll hear from some people as your older people are grand don't they have a medical car don't they have the free TV <laughs> licence and their electricity units that doesn't wash with you at all Paddy uh, it does not the elderly the elderly do not have everything they're not happy people and as I said and I've been saying it for years it might be so nice people people who don't understand the elderly if I'm in, you know I have a function people who I just talk about that you know and and uh, so say, I should yeah, they're very well off. They're very well off. They have this, I always say, can they eat the metal card? Can they eat the driver's license? Can they eat the television license? No, they can't. No, I can't. No, they can't. No, they cannot. They're short of money. They're short, they're short of money. And they're just, when I use the word, they're skimping. They're skimping. Everything is tense for the beginning of the week, but midweek then things, things just become scarce and, and, and the money is not for whom. Uh, and they just can't go by. No, no, no. They cannot live. They cannot live. And I also said in the article that uh, language and the government are specialists for everything. 
And I'd love to see them just do research, a survey, on really what elderly people should realistically have, just that they can say to themselves, I'm happy now. They're not going to go on holidays, going away for a weekend. I mean, people never had a holiday. I speak to people who never in their lives had a, had a holiday. Never, never, never. That we did couldn't they love, like my own parents as well, but they're dead a few years, never, no, no holidays at all. Like, they're spending the bus down the cross haven or down the old. And these people, there are people still alive today who are never out of Cork. So we, I, I know I'm repeating myself here when I say this, that elderly people are generous people with their time. And it's amazing how many elderly people are doing thrones and work as volunteers at means and means and helping the elderly. But behind that smiley face of the old person there is one, one thing, there's a broken heart. But they can't manage it, they can't. And as I always say to people, we all have to grow old one day. Listen, Paddy, we'll leave it there. Yep, yep. We'll talk again. Listen, yep, yep. look after yourself. Okay, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, bye-bye. Uh, advocate for older people, Paddy O'Brien. Some political reporters are just uh, tweeting some breaking news from Dublin in Bye Bye Convention Centre. The Dáil is to resume sittings in the Dáil Chamber on a full-time basis when they come back after their summer break on Wednesday, the 15th of September. Sittings on Tuesdays, Wednesday. Wednesdays and Thursdays in accordance with its usual schedule and committees will continue will be subject to a two hour limit but they were giving up having the Dáil sittings at the convention centre then moving back to the Dáil chamber I know a number of our listeners will be pleased to hear that Okay we need to take a break News at 11 on the way Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And thank you to people who've pointed out, and I did know that today is the 15th of July and today is St. Swidden's Day. And the legend goes, if it rains today, then it will rain for 40 days and uh, 40 nights. And seemingly the legend of where it all came from was to do with the bones of St. Swidden on this day in the year... 971, the bones of St. Swithin was removed from their resting place on the order of the local Bishop of Winchester and they were placed in a shrine inside the cathedral and seemingly the saint did not approve of having his bones removed. So a violent storm followed and rain fell for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, from there, the tradition was that if it rained on the 15th of July, it would rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And just to let you know, has it ever rained for 40 consecutive days after the 15th of July? Not according to weather records. The closest it got to was in 1924, when according to the Guinness Book of Records, there was 30 out of 40 days after St. Swithin's Day that were very, very wet. So let's hope we don't get any rain uh, today. But today, yes, is St. Swithin's Day and the day we all hope that it will be nice and sunny. Well, it just happens to coincide with this nice bit of good weather that we're heading into and certainly into the weekend. It's going to be sweltering at the weekend and across next week. Who needs to go away in a sunshine holiday when we have weather like, like, like what's forecast on our shores? Now, a lot of people comment on uh, pensions kicked off I think in the main by Dennis's uh, comment that we almost opened the show with this morning when I mentioned that we were going to be talking about people who are particularly elderly people on their own 
single people or widowed or widowed, or widowed uh, people living on their own, living on a, a, either a state pension, contributory or non-contributory uh, pension and, uh, you know, the evidence is there that they're very close. Some of them are actually below the poverty line in what they actually receive by the time all the bills are paid and what they've left then to try and pay for food or pay for any kind of luxuries. You can forget the luxuries and the alone has come out in a pre-budget submission saying something needs to be done about it. And then we had Paddy O'Brien on uh, this morning who advocates on behalf of older people and he said he's meeting older people who are telling him that they literally have no money for any of the luxuries and in some cases they don't even have money to have a proper meal, a hot meal every single day and then Dennis one of our listeners said that the old people who worked all of their lives why didn't they pay into some kind of a private pension to make provision for their future old age requirements and he said and I quote this was Dennis's comment rather than being a burden on the state pension so he's putting the blame back on older people but as I said I think it was a bit unfair uh, Dennis because you don't know the circumstances that when older people were working maybe they weren't in a position to be able to pay into a private pension anyway that comment from Dennis has sparked uh, quite a reaction from people. Jimmy in Clonakilty says that that person, Dennis, he has some neck. Were those pensioners being a burden on the state when they were paying taxes all of their working lives? I think not, says our Jimmy in Clonakilty. And someone else says, Patricia, you're right about the people on pensions. Those people are not a burden on the state as Dennis your texter said they have paid taxes all of their lives also some people who could pay into a private pension only to see that their pensions were worth far less than they thought they would get when they came to retirement day it's sad to see some of those people now living in poverty the state pension every budget the increase that they get when they get it the most that they can expect is to be able to buy a loaf of bread and a bottle of milk. No fear any government minister RTD would be insulted with an offer like that. And that's what Paddy said, the fiver. And did he say that they didn't get it? The last increase they got was in 2019. So they haven't, they don't always get the fiver, but that text are making the point that even when they do hand out the fiver, what will they get him? A loaf of bread and a bottle of milk. Donny says, if you go back to the 70s, 1979, when the pay-related social insurance was introduced, it was a great idea at the time, but it was never implemented the way they promised it would be. It was supposed to give people a decent pension once they retired but that never came to pass and instead people ended up either on a, on a contributory pension if they paid uh, into it and to Dennis who made that comment about pensioners many people were never advised to pay into a pension as many private workers never got pensions and they knew nothing about it they didn't know that they were meant to pay into a private pension and George in Kinsale is making a kind of a similar point he says in the 70s and 80s he said those of us that were working in the private sector were completely unaware of a private uh, pension it was only from the 80s onwards that people started to realise they needed to save for their retirement but companies did not offer any advice and to this day many private companies do not contribute towards the pensions of their workers. John in Carrick Tool says, is Dennis for real? Many of us did pay 
into our pension pots and have paid into one. I've paid into one, says John, all of my life. But wait for this. I won't get anything out of my pension until I'm 75. It was seemingly in the small print on the contract I signed at the time, but I was completely unaware of this. So now I've paid into a pension, but I'm going to have to wait until I hit 75 to access it. So some of us did pay into pensions. It was the pension advisors not advising us incorrectly. We were sold pension packages and not realising what was contained in the small print. I don't know if that's happened to, to many people but holding out until you're 75 and if, you've re- if you left work at 65 that's 10 years to wait for the private pension to kick in. Margaret in Middleton says we paid all of our lives into a state pension through our taxes but now everyone is seeing a higher cost of living. Everything is increase- increasing. Groceries, when you go to buy your groceries every week they're going up. Fuel has increased. We have extra taxes. We have things like property tax that we never had before. Margaret also feels for the workers of today and she cites her own son. He's paying tax of between 700 and 800 euros a month between general taxation and USE uh, charges. Margaret says it's actually very hard for today's workers for them to be able to provide for themselves by way of a pension into the future. So it's while we're looking at today's pensioners there's a whole cohort coming up behind who could be in the very, very same situation. And then John in Abbey Field listened with great interest to our Paddy O'Brien says Paddy is talking rubbish. And this is with regard to some older people who are suffering food poverty. They don't have enough money to have a decent meal every day. John says, I cook for myself every day. For example, he said, tomorrow I'll head into town and I'll buy some fish. I can get a nice piece of fish. It'll only cost me about three euro. Then I can buy a cooked chicken. I can get a cooked chicken for a fiver. You get a couple of days out of that for sure. Uh, The cost isn't that high. Pensioners just some pensioners, John, you can't say it about all. Some pensioners are not are living beyond their means. You'll see some pensioners wanting around smoking cigarettes. You'll see others drinking their lattes. And if you ask them about the cost of their lattes, they say, that's only a fiver. They don't need to be spending money on some of the luxuries that John feels. They are luxuries that older people, they need to be budgeting their money better and if they budgeted their money better than the money they're getting by way of the state pension either contributory or non-contributory if you budget right and uh, you're buying the correct food and buy good wholesome food you can do it and you can live very comfortably according to John in Abbeyfield and Marie takes offence to the word non-contributory there's a contributory pension and there's a non-contributory pension and the contributory pension pays slightly higher than the non-contributory Marie says my dad raised five of us and we're worked extremely hard but like so many they could not contribute to the state pension but they did they did so they did to many lives and that um, comment has come in a bit mixed up um, anyway I, from what I take from the comment is Marie's dad worked but obviously didn't have enough contributions for a contributory pension and has ended up in a non-contributory pension and she said I take grave offence to the term non-contributory there should be one old age pension I feel that it's disrespectful on people who may have worked but maybe they just didn't have enough contributions to allow them to get a contributory uh, pension so it should be just one word I don't know if others take offence to contributory versus non-contributory 
actually uh, or not. 1850 at 3331033. are out again next Sunday. The club will host the Denjo Deneen Memorial Vintage Classic Car Run and it's in aid of the wonderful West Cork Rapid Response. It's next Sunday, July 18th. They will meet at Ahabolic GAA grounds in Coachford. Registration will open at 11am in the morning and entry then is by donation. They leave Coachford at 12 heading on route to West Cork. All vintage and classic cars and motorcyclists all welcome to attend. You can contact TIG on 87 for further information. But that's Broomhill Vintage Club next Sunday, the Denjo Dineen Memorial Vintage uh, Classic Car Run. C103 Jobs. We hope everybody enjoys that. Okay, a helper wanted for general outdoor work. It's to help with fitting and setting out light to medium steel projects. Refrigeration Apprentice is wanted for Ray Refrigeration, that's in Mitchellstown, while a teleporter driver is wanted for long-term work in Kinsale. And General Operatives are wanted for a concrete polishing company based in North Cork. A construction background would be an advantage. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie. Now hairdressers across Ireland have taken part in an anti-domestic violence training. It's to help them identify signs of such violence in their own clients. Salon business expert Liz McKeown is the Ireland and UK ambassador for an anti-domestic violence training course for salons which is called Sheer Haven and Liz McKeown joins me to tell us more. Good morning to you Liz. Good morning. I just think this is a fantastic um, idea. Is it fair to say that Liz over time a hairdresser really builds up a very trusted relationship with their client. It's it's quite a unique relationship. Isn't it really? And um, I think one of the pluses coming from from the pandemic is that we have a much greater sense of community, I think, now. And I think because so many um, surveys were done around the world during lockdown and no matter where it was when people were asked what's, what's the service you missed the most it was always hairdressing yeah. the salon the therapist and now in the capacity of my work I feel really well positioned to be able to say to, to my to the clients that I work with which are the salon owners and their teams now do you understand how important you are in clients lives so even leaving this subject a lot 
side. Yeah, it's a really unique, special relationship that's so important to everybody who goes to, who goes to salons. And people will tell their hairdresser stories and things that are going on in their lives that they mightn't share with anybody else. And I think that's the point in relation to domestic abuse. Yes, you provide a very safe haven. It's almost like a lifeline. Yes, as a hairdresser or a therapist or anybody working in a salon, you know things about people that they would never tell anybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, and then as a, as a hairdresser, would you see signs of domestic abuse? Yes, you do. And it's interesting, really, because we only launched this initiative in Ireland last last week on the 5th of July. And anybody that I've spoken to in salons between then and now, not one person has, has said to me, well, I've never had anybody in my chair. Nobody has said that. Every single person has said, oh, I remember so-and-so or I've had this client or this client comes into me regularly and I never know what to say or what to do. So, so yes, we do experience it. And that's what Sheer Haven is all about. It's what to do and what to say. Tell me about it. Firstly, before you tell me about it, how did you become involved in it, Liz? Well, around this time, no, earlier, during our first lockdown last year, um, I would have a large following on social media and I, I work fairly internationally normally. And I started to see on my on my newsfeed salon owners that I would have worked with, you know, in various capacities, putting up little posts just in general, but I knew they were aimed at particular clients and, and I was seeing things like, you know, I hope you're doing okay. I hope everybody's doing okay. I really miss seeing all of you. You know, if anybody wants to call me, here's my number. If anybody needs me to call the authorities, ask me about eyeshadow number such and such or such a shampoo or such a skincare product and I and I'll and I'll call the guards or I'll call the police. Sorry, I get you help. So that had been on my radar for for quite some time, and then um, I, um, you know, when we were in our real lockdown in, in the winter, around actually it was Valentine's Light, I um, was just at home and on my own LinkedIn. I saw this. I saw this link to a training. I have no idea how I found it, and so I just thought, I have nothing else to do. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. So I, I just clicked on the link and I did the training and I found it really interesting because um, I have personal experience of this and, you know, at one point, you know, I did have to run for my life and go into hiding. So I suppose it resonated with me more than it might have with somebody else. And um, the training is very short. It's very concise. It's introduced by a lady called Suzanne Post, who's a hairstylist and a salon owner and a domestic vi- um, violence survivor in Tennessee. And she started this training in conjunction with the YWCA. And um, so the YWCA would be where the shelters are in Tennessee. And the training is just literally 20 minutes long. And when I did the training, it made it brought me back to when I was when I was literally, you know, running for my life. And I just thought, you know, this is really escalated during um, during the pandemic, like previously. And this is not a general you know, specific problem. Always, the, well, for a long time, the um, the statistics have been one in four women and one in seven men. And we know it's got a lot worse during the pandemic. So when I did the training, and then it was really concise and really easy to follow. And I started to think, well, I know, you know, even though over the years I've really forgotten, but then I thought, oh gosh, I do know how bad it is and how severe it is. And, you know, if I can just help bring this to salons and we help one person, 
Well, I think you're going to help more than, I think than, so. than one. And and when Liz, when you were the victim of domestic violence, when you look back now, do you wish there was somebody there like your friendly hairdresser who would have been able to have reached out? Absolutely. Now, this training is not teaching people how to solve the problem or telling your clients what to do. It's, it's explaining the lifeline that you can be. It explains the power and control cycle that perpetrators um, go through. Um, it's not, so it's really teaching people how to just listen, not judge, and have have the details there if somebody does want to leave. People don't, it's very hard to leave and mm-hmm. mostly it takes people in around seven goes before they'll, act, before they'll actually get away. So, the training is not solving the problem. It's just teaching people what to do. And I, and I think you're asking a really valid question. Part of this power and control cycle is that, you know, you're cut off from your family and your friends and you become very isolated. So you really don't have anybody to talk to. And even when you are in touch with your family and your friends, you're not going to say anything because you know, you, you, you know, it's only going to make things worse. So I think the hair salon or the beauty salon, um, or where you go for your nails or anything like that is just a safe haven. And that's hence the reason Sheer Haven is, yes. is is the name of the training. And what I particularly like about it, Liz, you access this through an online course so you can be anywhere in the world and access it. Look, it's really easy and um, the sponsors and Sheer Haven, like we've worked closely together over the last couple of months for us to launch in Ireland and England. So the simplest and easiest thing to access is literally to come onto my website. It's literally just my name, lizmckeown.com. We have, and we have a big banner on the homepage of the website. Just click on the link, 20 minutes. Like, you know, you could do it in, you could do it in your lunch hour in the staff room. And, um, the significant thing about when you finish the training is you, you get a little cert. Okay. And it's emailed to you and we're asking people to put the search up on social media and tag us in this so we can raise awareness. But also, if you have any space, you know, lots of, most salons have their awards and their certificates for all the amazing training that they do. But, you know, if there's any space on your wall that you could put up your, your sheer haven training. Yeah, put it up there. Put, put it, it up, up there. there. So yeah. if, if somebody vulnerable is there, then they know they're in some place very, very safe. Okay, Lucy says what an, an incredible idea and well done to this lady. This lady is, is uh, Liz um, uh, McKeown. Uh, Lucy wonders, should this not be made mandatory as part of hairdresser training or beautician's training? Good idea. It's it's a really interesting and valid question to ask. And the training has now been completed by 25,000 people in 99 countries. It's now compulsory in two states in America and Shearhaven, which, you know, they're a lot further ahead than us in, in America, um, are hoping that it becomes compulsory in, in all of the 50 states. So I don't see any reason for the same thing not to happen here. But in the meantime, hairdressers and, and beauticians, nail hairdressers, technicians. Nail techs, barbers, uh, anybody in the personal services. Okay, and it's lizmckeown.ie? com. sorry, dot yeah. com. And you're also living proof of somebody who got out of domestic violence, got your life together and... Yeah, life goes on. Life goes on. Life yeah. goes on. Yeah. Listen, you're a mighty woman. Congratulations on this. And um, I think it's really going to uh, take off. But thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Likewise. Thank you very Good much. Good morning to you. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Liz McKeown of Sheer 
Haven, uh, where she is the brand ambassador. She's the ambassador for it here in Ireland and in the UK. And I think everybody will agree with that. And if you talk to hairdressers themselves, they will tell you whatever it is. I think it's maybe it's the intimacy of sitting with somebody while they're doing your hair. And hairdressers get to hear all kinds of different stories. And I think also since because of the pandemic and because, you know, now the hairdressers are open again, there has to be spacing done in the salons that uh, you you feel you're a lot more private. There's a lot more one-on-one time between you and the hairdresser and there isn't so many people around that are in earshot. And I think because of that, a lot of people will open up uh, more uh, to it. And if they can be of any help at all, I would suggest for any hairdresser listening or any, as Liz says, any beauticians, nail technicians, whatever, uh, to go online because it is, it's only a 20 minute online course. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And actually somebody has just spotted a text. This came in uh, yesterday as well. They closed the programme. I didn't get ar- around it. Somebody wants to know where you could go to get your COVID-19 card laminated. Remember we were talking about this, the actual card that you got when you got your vaccination not the certificate because we're all being told not to laminate the certificate but the actual card itself because I made made the point that I, I laminated mine now I have a laminator at home that I bought in one of the supermarkets a number of years ago real cheap and cheerful uh, little thing so I I have a laminator I was able to do it myself but I, but I absolutely accept that not every home has a laminator I'm assuming if you go into any office supply stores um, I, I take it office supply stores who normally when you can go into an office supply, uh, any of the office supply stores, well, they'll do photocopying for you, for example. They certainly, I imagine, I'm open to correction, but I imagine that they will be able to do laminating. So if anybody else has gone somewhere to get their vaccine card laminated, where did you go to get it laminated? As I say, I, I would think that office supply shops should be able to do it, but it could be wrong. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes uh, the calls. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Going to Skipper Guard the station where I'm joined by Sergeant Trina O'Mahony for this week's uh, Guard the File. Good morning to you, Trina. Good morning, Patricia. And you, you are very welcome. In a couple of minutes, we're going to be giving advice on road safety because we know the roads are getting so much busier now that we are into the holiday season. And particularly this weekend, with the weather being so fine, any area near a beach is going to be absolutely thronged. But let's start with crime first. And you want to start with burglary and unauthorised taking of a vehicle. That's right, Patricia. The Gardaí at Mill Street and McCroom Garda Station are investigating the occurrence of a burglary at a home in the Kilcorny area of Rathcool. That happened overnight between the 6th and 7th of July. Uh, During that incident, keys were taken from a home and subsequently then a white Kia Sorento was stolen using the car keys. And Gardaí, needless to say, are appealing to anyone who might have any information at all in relation to that incident, did anyone in that area notice anything suspicious um, overnight on the 6th and 7th of July? That would have been the Tuesday night um, into the Wednesday morning. So if so, we would ask that they would contact Gardaí at Mill Street or McCroom Garda stations and the number there is 0262 Yeah, anybody out driving that night that evening, they might have dash cam footage to take a look back at the dash cam. They might have just spotted that, Kia, that white Kia Sorento. 
Exactly, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, moving to a burglary. So another burglary um, occurred, sorry, Patricia, in the Kilbrennan area. So the Guardian at Crookstown there, along with the Guardian at McCroom, are investigating that occurrence. And it occurred overnight between midnight and 7am on the 13th of July. And this would have been Tuesday morning of this week. Sorry now, Patricia, I'm just getting my, my own okay, yeah, bearings yeah, with yeah. that one. No, okay, so Tuesday so morning of, of this week, exactly. Yeah. So in that particular case, the culprit or culprits gained entry by smashing a window. And during the incident, a number of items were taken, including two televisions and a Dyson vacuum cleaner. So again, if anyone has any information at all in relation to that, we'd appreciate a call as well. God, it's it's weird to hear a television's been stolen and the, and the Dyson vacuum cleaner. Of course, they're all such expensive items, but it's a long time since we've started seeing items like that being taken. But I suppose because they cost so much, the criminal thinks that they can make uh, money from it. So with two houses there broken into, uh, Katrina, we need to kind of take a look at our household security. That's this, yeah, they do. They highlight again and give us an opportunity, I suppose, to highlight the issue of household security measures, particularly during the summer months. I suppose many people are going on their summer staycations at the moment as well. So make sure that you're using all of your security measures that are available to you in your home. Um, some of the top tips, I suppose, that we would always repeat, particularly at this time of the year, are to ensure that you secure all your doors and windows. Light up your home, even if it's unoccupied, make it look like it's occupied. So use things like timer lights if you're going away for a week or two. Um, store your keys safely away from windows and letterboxes so that they're not visible to any potential criminals who might be looking around for potential um, burglary opportunities. Record details of any valuables that you may have and don't keep large amounts of cash in your home. Use your alarm. Um, even when you're at home at night, You know, make sure that you have your alarm turned on And if you are going away for a period of time, have someone call to collect your post and keep an eye on your home. If post is building up, that could be an indicator to a potential burglar that the house is unoccupied, even despite utilising all of the other um, security measures there. Yeah, if you have a a neighbour, if you have a neighbour, let them know you're away and tell them to keep an eye out. Exactly, yeah. Um, in, In a couple of incidents that we've had reported to us recently, access was actually gained to, to places through unlocked doors as well. So, you know, even if you're not away, even if you're just going to bed at night, make sure that all your windows and doors are locked and keep your keys close to hand so that you can get out if you need it to during the night. But don't give people an opportunity to sneak into your home and in the case of one incident, you know, take the car keys, which, yeah. you know, allowed them to later take the car. Yeah, because you'll often see in people's houses, you know, a hall table and people walk in the front door and they leave the keys on the hall table just inside the door. That's a real yeah. no, 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 isn't it? You need to put them away somewhere secure. It is, absolutely. Um, what I suppose what we've seen over the years is that it's possible even through the letterbox to get access to keys if they're within close proximity of the front door. So without ever getting into the house, keys could be actually removed through the letterbox if they're close. And yeah, so away, again, away from the front door and somewhere secure. OK, you, yeah. want, you want to talk to us about road uh, safety, Katrina. We want everyone to go out and enjoy their summer and particularly the nice weather that we're expecting. But you want everyone to stay safe. We do, absolutely. Um, I suppose, again, we're in the peak summer season down here now, and with that, um, we've a huge increase in visitors to the area, which in turn then creates a much higher volume of traffic on our roads. Um, not only of vehicular traffic, 
cars, um, but also pedestrians and cyclists who are out, you know, sightseeing and enjoying the local scenery here. I would like to remind all road users, if embarking on any journey at the moment, just to take a moment to stop and think ahead of it, whether it's a really short journey to the local shop or if you're heading off on a long journey to your holiday destination, give yourself enough time to reach your destination. Don't be under pressure for time and be patient with other road users. Um, the other thing I suppose to be really mindful of are the cyclists and pedestrians. Again, this is all about taking your time. Take a moment. If you're approaching a, a bend and you happen to be approaching a cyclist or a pedestrian on your left-hand side, you know, stop and give yourself the time to get around the bend and don't overtake while going around the bend. Wait until it's safe. Um, for those few moments, you could literally save a life. And the other thing I suppose to remind people of is Operation Lifesavers. Um, Gardaí will be actively taking part in road policing duties over the coming weeks and will be paying particular attention to lifesaver offences as we described them. Those are the offences of non-wearing of seatbelts, using mobile phones while driving, speeding and drug and drink driving. So with the seatbelts, um, it goes without saying, always wear your seatbelts. But if you're the driver of the car, make sure that your passengers are wearing their seatbelts as well. Mobile phone, don't use your mobile phone while driving. If you really do need to make or take a phone call, pull into somewhere that is safe and then take your phone call. Don't be tempted to, to carry the phone in your hand and speak on loudspeaker or anything like that. Just don't use your phone while you're driving. And speeding again, just slow down, take your time, observe the speed limits that are in operation wherever you might be at any given time. And again, allow yourself time. Don't be in a position where you have to speed to get to a destination. And the other thing then is the drug and drink driving. Never ever drink and drive. Make a plan for getting home if you're going out and you plan to have a couple of drinks. Um, don't be tempted or leave yourself in a position where you could be tempted to get into your car and drive after you've had a few drinks. And drug driving people are reminded that Gardaí are equipped with an apparatus that is designed to detect the presence of drugs in the system and mandatory testing would be undertaken at checkpoints across the county over the coming weeks. So people are reminded that you might be requested to provide specimens at that at those checkpoints that would could detect uh, drink or drugs in your system. Okay, and the Gardaí, you're out there, you're not trying to be killjoys uh, when you're, you're putting up and stopping people. You're trying to save, save lives. I mean, that's what this is all about. Absolutely, yeah. That's what those measures are there for. It's about prevention. It's about creating an awareness with people just to stop and think and, t- you know, be responsible in your use of the road. And again, absolutely, it's about saving lives at the end of the day and that literally those those are linked directly to unfortunately where, where lives have been lost on the road people using their phones, people not wearing their seatbelts, people speeding, people drink or drug driving um, have so often been connected to those unfortunate incidents so and that is why we, we really do want to prevent people from doing any of those. Well done. well done. And, you know, we're all looking forward to this fantastic weekend weather-wise. And it's great that it's hitting on, on a weekend when people are off. But it does mean that we are very popular tourist attractions and we have so many gorgeous beaches and waterways uh, here in Cork are going to be extremely busy and I can nearly guarantee now Trina I'll be here on Monday getting calls particularly from residents who live in those who are blessed to live in those gorgeous areas saying they couldn't get out of their house because some car had blocked them in people really need to stop and think where they're, when they're planning a day out like that and where they're parking Absolutely yeah um, we feature this kind of this time every year Patricia and it is an issue 
this time every year, to be honest with you. Um, again, there are double yellow lines in a lot of these areas asking people not to park. They're there for a reason. Um, again, this could be, you know, parking in one of those areas could cause a delay for an ambulance to get in either to the beach if there was an, an incident there or to one of the local residents if, if in the event of an emergency. Um, respect those double yellow lines. If somewhere is already packed with cars, just move on to another location. It, it really isn't worth um, blocking an ambulance from getting through or another emergency vehicle in the event of an emergency. So we really w- would be appealing to people to, to respect the, the parking measures that are in place in any of those areas. Yeah, and if you go to whatever it is, your favourite beach where you want to go and you arrive at three o'clock in the afternoon, which is going to be peak time, and you can't get parking, just drive away and find another beach. Absolutely. <laughs> Come back another day. Exactly. And as you say, we are blessed with many, many um, beautiful locations down here. So, you know, it really, it would be better to do that. Absolutely. You could drive off and find a really little hidden gem that nobody knows about. Listen, uh, Trina, thank you for that. Pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you too, Patricia. Good Take morning care. to you. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. That is Sergeant Trina O'Mahony, who's based at Skibbereen Garda Station with this week's uh, Garda File. And thank you to a number of people offering suggestions for our listener who wants to get their vaccination card laminated. Uh, this is the actual card that you would have got at the vaccination centre or at the GP uh, practice with the dates that you actually got uh, vaccinated on. Kathleen and Ballyhay says got theirs laminated at Abbey Print in Charleville. While Dennis is in Bandon, he says you can get it laminated at Bandon Office Supplies. A number of people in Mallow says the office supply shop on O'Brien Street in Mallow. They're laminating the uh, cards. And Mary says, uh, hi Patricia, the photo shop on Strand Street in Canturk. They do laminating so you can get your COVID-19 vaccine card laminated there. And then someone else says, Patricia, please note your advice not to laminate your EU digital COVID certificate. Yeah, we mentioned that. This is just for the actual cards, the EU digital COVID certificate, which is almost like an A4 page that you fold over and make it into like a little booklet. You're not to laminate that because if you laminate it, there is a danger that the QR code won't be read properly when it's picked up on a scanner. But what we're talking about is the actual vaccination card that you got when you got your jabs. Mary says, Trish, you were talking about laminating your vaccination cards. Well, I saw at the weekend in Clonakilty, Cochrane's Bookshop. They're laminating the vaccine certificates. They actually had a sign outside the door. That's not a bad idea for businesses. Put up a little sign telling people that you're doing it because it's not something that we do very often that you'd be heading out every week or oh, I must get something laminated. So people need to know where lamination is available because lots of people want to get their vaccination card uh, laminated. So that's a jolly good idea. Well done to Cochrane's Bookshop in Clonakilty actually putting a sign up 1850 we're going to take a break we've news at 12 midday we'll be taking your pet questions please keep those coming and guess what also is happening in the next hour yes we're giving away a C103 smart speaker Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
Now, anybody would anybody like to offer advice to John, who has contacted us from Blackpool, who's in a bit of a pickle at the moment, and he's unsure what to do. He, John says, my friend wants me to stay in her mobile phone at or in her mobile home at the weekend. The problem is she refuses to get vaccinated. I am, by the way, fully vaccinated. I'm not sure what to do. Would any of your listeners have any advice, uh, please, uh, for John? Now, technically, once you're fully vaccinated. You can spend time with an unvaccinated person, but I know I can almost see the dilemma you're in. You're going to be away for a weekend, probably Friday through maybe to Sunday or Monday. If it, I mean, if you do decide to go, I would be saying make sure that the mobile home is well ventilated, cross ventilation that we spoke about on the programme. There's a door and a window opposite, so there's a good breeze of air blowing through. The only thing is the weather is going to be lovely this weekend, so I imagine a lot of your eating and your socialising will be done outside on the veranda of the mobile home, uh, perhaps. But it is a tricky one. I mean, it's a friend. You don't want to insult your friend by saying, no, I don't want to stay with you because you're unvaccinated. But I suppose this is where it all goes back to what we've all been told to do with COVID-19 in this pandemic. It's to do with personal responsibility. It's a little bit like Tony Houlihan yesterday saying to parents, his advice to parents was not to bring children into restaurants, even though the legislation has gone through for indoor dining and under the legislation, uh, people under the age of 18 will be allowed into restaurants and into cafes and into pubs as long as they have a fully vaccinated adult uh, with them. But then you have Tony Houlihan saying on a personal responsibility, he would say, don't bring the children in uh, because too many young people are picking up COVID-19 and do your dining outside instead. So again, he's very much saying it's personal uh, responsibility. So advice please for our John in Blackpool, fully vaccinated, unvaccinated person, wants him to go away for the weekend to a mobile home should he go or not? Your thoughts welcomed on that, please. 1850-333-103. Or you can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And hopefully your texts and WhatsApps won't get lost in the middle of this because we have time for us to take entries, please, for our C103 smart speaker giveaway. These wonderful smart speakers that we're giving away every day this week on all of the day parts with a done deal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. We need you now to text our WhatsApp please your name and address 0862103103 we'll leave we'll give you about 10 minutes to get your name and address and your interest into us please and then John Paul will pick one of the entries we'll have a quick chat on air and the winner of course will have to repeat to me the winning phrase and the winning phrase is very simple it's play C103 play C103 which is what you say if you have a smart speaker in your home already you may, perhaps you're listening to us on a smart speaker but you don't have to turn on radios anymore you just say to the smart speaker play C103 it is as easy as that so get texting or WhatsApping, please don't call us on this one. We can only take entries or by text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And while we're waiting for those texts to come in, let me take a look at some of your other uh, items that people have been talking to us about uh, today. Okay, we had uh, 
Sergeant Trino Mani on uh, with us in the last hour talking about uh, in Gardafan and we just talking about a host of different issues but one of the issues that uh, she, she dealt with was home security and she did make the point that anybody who is going away you know just to make sure that your house is secure make sure all the doors and windows are locked for example and she also made the point that you should um if you have lights on and if you have a neighbour let a neighbour know and don't let the post build up and all of that somebody says Patricia one thing that she didn't add and you should add to the list is tell people not to be broadcasting it all over Facebook or their social media that they're away uh, a lot of people are still doing doing that if you want to post nice pictures from holidays wait until you've come home and then post the pictures instead and that's a good piece of advice and then we also dealt when we spoke with Trina about road safety and you know there's a lot of extra traffic on the road at the moment. A listener says, is there any wonder that cyclists get a bad name because we dealt with cyclists and trying to share the road with cyclists. Driving into Mallow in the in Ghouls Hill about an hour ago says this texter, a young cyclist in front of me decided to do a turn right up onto the slip road which takes you onto the Cork Road. Hardly gave a signal that he was about to turn right. He actually went right across the road which he shouldn't have been doing anyway. That that turn you're not meant to go right to go up that slip road you can go you go the slip road uh, coming the other way but yeah and frightening then it frightens the life out of you if you're going along in a cyclist I I have to say I'm always nervous when there's cyclists uh, if I have to overtake a cyclist I'll take ages to overtake a cyclist I'll wait I'm sure I've got a good straight stretch ahead of me and for that reason in case they veer out across you or beside you just as, as, you're, pa- as you're passing and listen yes I know to all cyclists listening I'll probably annoy them by saying that because they have a right to the road as well but people when, they, when you are cycling you, you need to abide by the rules of the road as well because if you're in a collision if a cyclist in a, is in a collision with a car we know what happens we know the ones that are going to end up with either either being killed or with very serious injuries indeed. So cyclists, please abide by the rules of the road. And then when we're talking about home security, somebody says, what about this for home security? I'm waiting on the council to come out and fix a window for the last two weeks. I've rang lots of times. The call has the calls are logged but they they haven't come out to fix it and the window lock is broken so I can't lock one of the windows and obviously every time you leave the house or going to bed at night you don't want to be in a house with a window that can't lock I would you know get, keep getting on to the council keep on to them and see if you can get through to them and hopefully they will eventually listen to you when we were talking about older people earlier on with Paddy O'Brien and we were talking about pensions and the difference in pensions and Paddy was making the point that there are some older people who are simply just not able to manage and they are finding themselves in quite a bit of a pickle including some people not being able to put enough food on the table. Some reaction to that Uh, Anne says Hi Patricia, Paddy O'Brien is right about us pensioners, particularly us pensioners who are living alone trying to pay the bills I for one find myself living on my visa card trying to pay the extra bills like the house insurance, the car insurance, the car tax, NCT, uh, local property tax, bin collection payment, animal food, vet bills, petrol. I have nine grandchildren and I can't give the money like I used to do when I was working. People don't seem to understand how can a person pay for food, electricity, gas and all of the other bills and doing that on a little over €200 a week. Before the COVID I did have childminding job 
but sadly that's all gone at the moment I'm, tr- I'm trying to get a receptionist job but who is willing to employ somebody I'm simply uh, too uh, old Suzanne who by the way I paid taxes all of my life and I didn't have the opportunity to pay into any kind of a private pension for people who were saying that they should pay into uh, private pensions yeah you lay it out as it is when you've got one fixed income coming in trying to make it all stretch and Jim says when you talk about increases to older people they gave th- an extra three euro a week onto the winter fuel allowance and that was to cover the increase in the carbon tax which we only got from January for 10 or 11 weeks that increase should have been paid onto the pension at least then you would be receiving that extra three euro a week every week you'd be getting it all year round by the way we pay carbon tax all year round it isn't just on something that's paid during the winter months says Jim and a Kerry senior citizen says Patricia senior citizens got five euro of an increase two years ago and when they did announce that that was in the 20 for, the, for 2019 wasn't it that's what Paddy O'Brien was talking about and when they announced it in the budget that then made us wait six months for the increase to come through yeah because the increase would have been announced in October is when the budget is, isn't it? And I'm sure it was around St. Patrick's Day that that payment uh, kicked in. So somebody said they made us wait uh, six months uh, for it. So uh, 1850-333-103. And someone says when you're complaining about old age pensioners not being able to survive on between little over 230, 200, between 230, 250 euro. What about carers? Somebody said, remember, carers allowance, uh, they survive on 219 a week. Try living on that. And then for people saying that older people and people on a fixed income need to be budgeting better and there's not a lot of budgeting uh, going on. Someone has pointed out you can get a bag of organic porridge in Aldi for less than 80 cents. You get a lot of breakfasts out of that. People need to be managing their money and managing the kind of food that they buy and what they're buying and how they're buying it and what they're actually uh, spending it on. 1850 Just some calls uh, coming in. David in Mallow said pensions are a minefield after working for 53 years. You end up with a state pension of €210 rather than the higher amount. If you made a profit one year rather than pay tax on that, you can you can pay it into a fund. But what happens is the money from your pension is held back until you are 75. I have 34 years full contribution. But what can be done for those of us who have to wait until we're 75 to get the share of the pension we paid in to? I am also short €38 euro in my state pension. And many will say that's not much, but that's a lot every week when you're on a fixed income and you've all of the bills to pay. So, yeah, when people talk about a state pension, not everybody gets the full amount and are still expected to survive. John and Mitchell says, I disagree with Dennis and his comment earlier on pensions. Dennis was the one who said people should have been paying into a private pension all of their lives and not now cribbing that they've reached the stage of getting their state pension and they don't have enough uh, money. Those who worked in the early years in this uh, country were the heartbeat of this nation. They paid taxes. This was the time before any of the multinationals were locating in Ireland. So these people who have now reached the age of pension age, age very much deserve our uh, respect. And Neil worked with Pfizer for 30 years and he took out an insurance policy that he said was called an 
ARF Additional Retirement Fund said it was a great system to pay into it, gave him, it gives him now extra money outside of his state pension and he also has a Pfizer private pension that he paid into while he was uh, working. Well, I think Paddy O'Brien was was doing that, was trying to differentiate between people who have a private pension. What he was talking is about people who are living on a state pension on their own. The ones, there's only one pension coming into the house that they simply are finding it really, really hard to manage. And Michael in Skibbereen says, that person who contacted you about getting onto the council to fix their window and they've logged the call a number of times and the window lock just won't close. Michael says, why can't she get somebody herself to fix the window? Surely it doesn't cost that much. Michael Skibbereen says, I'm sick to the teeth of people who ring the council for everything. What about the rest of us? No wonder the council are stuck for money when you have people ringing. If the lock is broken on your window, then go out and buy a new lock and get somebody to fix it for you. 1850 And I just want to do one final one and I really don't know how I feel about this one. This is uh, Edwin who's contacted us from Blarney Street in the city who was reacting to my piece with Liz McKeown. Liz is the lady who is the UK and Ireland ambassador for something called Sheer Haven and it's an online learning tool little kind of a short little course that they're asking hairdressers and anyone who works in a salon to to be able to help victims of domestic abuse. The theory being that people share with beauticians and hairdressers and relationships are built up. And even if they don't share, a hairdresser or a beautician will be able to see the telltale signs of domestic abuse. I mean, I was reading one hairdresser who was who has done this Shearhaven course who was talking about a woman who used to come into her and she said there was clumps of her hair missing and she said, I knew, I absolutely knew that this woman was a victim of domestic violence and there was coercive control going on and that the man would wait, would literally sit outside the salon waiting for his wife to come out after getting her hair done and uh, she managed to reach out to her and got her, you know, gave her a note saying, I think I know what you're going through and uh, got her a note. She, was, she ended up contacting a women's aid group and um, she got the woman the help that she, need, she, uh, she needed. And it's those kind of scenarios that this online course, Shearhaven, is uh, talking about. Well, Edwin disagrees and said, this is a ridiculous idea and I can't believe that you're condoning it on your show by giving it any publicity. It's an American idea. It is. It was an American hairdresser who was a victim of domestic abuse herself who actually set up this online uh, course and and she doesn't, you know, she says straight out why uh, she set it up. Anyway, Edwin's against it. He said, it's no wonder the world has gone the way it is. Hairdressers should concentrate on their the job you're paying them to do, which is hair care. And let's be honest, some of them are not even great at that job. It's a very mean thing to say about a hairdresser's Edwin. Anyway, women should not be sharing their private lives with strangers. These hairdressers go home and tell their families, their friends and their pop buddies about these stories and probably have a great laugh. If women have domestic issues, then they should u- utilise the overgrown organisations available to them, which are professional bodies, not chitter chatters. And that's uh, Edwin. Wow. Edwin, you surely have a bee in your bonnet. You call 
organisations that help victims of domestic violence, you call them overgrown organisations. So I take it you accept that there are too many of these organisations out there. And Edwin, as long as there is a woman or a man who is suffering domestic violence at the hands of their partner, then we'll never have too many of these organisations to help out. And I actually think you're wrong. I think we were right to give publicity to a group like Shearhaven. And I'm hoping by us talking about it, I'm hoping that there's hairdressers listening to us today. I'm hoping that there's beauty salons listening to us today who were unaware of this group, um, Shearhaven. And I'm hoping that they will go online and do the 20 minute course and I hope they will be able to help their clients who are suffering because remember victims of domestic violence and God knows in my 30 odd years doing this show show I've interviewed enough of them uh, over the years people whose lives were destroyed because they were victims of domestic uh, violence and when you say to them why didn't they reach out they will always say hardest thing is to reach out and say that you need help. So if you have somebody who's had a little bit of training I mean the one thing that Sharon said was they're not going to be able to fix domestic violence but they'll know the signs to look out out for after doing this course and they'll know how to somehow say the right things to help the person, to help the client to go to get the help that they uh, require and I think that was whatever, how long, 10 minutes, however long Sharon was on the programme, I think it was 10 minutes well spent and I think you're wrong, I think you're wrong in saying that we shouldn't have covered the issue and I don't care if it was an American idea I don't care where it came from, it's online, there's hairdressers all over the world are doing it and it doesn't matter that it's an American idea. Domestic violence happens in every country throughout the world. It isn't something that just happens in America or just happens in Ireland or just happens uh, in the UK. But if we can help any of the victims of those domestic violence, then I shall not and will not apologise for it. And thank you for your text, Edwin and Blarney Street. And I hope you're having a lovely day. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. Kildallery Community Development will hold their weekly lotto draw that's happening this afternoon at four and it'll be in the local community office with a jackpot this week of €2,400. And a raffle to raise funds for Marymount Hospital and Hospice. It's a memory of Noreen Keller. That's been held tomorrow, which is Noreen's second anniversary. Tickets are still on sale, €10 each, book of six for 50 and they're available at idonate.ie forward slash raffle forward slash Noreen Kelleher and Kildarory Drive-In Bingo that's going to be held at 8 o'clock tomorrow night and that's in the Creamery Yard while Knocknagree Community Development they'll have a drive-in bingo Sunday next in the village jackpot there is €400 and you're asked to arrive at 12.30 for a 1pm start Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie and we are giving away all this week C103 smart speakers. Thanks to our good friends at Dundeal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. And we've had a huge entry again today. And I'm going to Deer Park in Bandon, uh, where Thomas McCarthy is. Good afternoon to you, Thomas. Hi, Patricia. How are you today? I go, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad. Are you working? Are you at home? What are you up to today? Uh, I'm actually on holidays until Monday. Oh, I, yes. and, and, and are you just at home or are you having a staycation or what are you doing? 
Uh, we were doing day trips. And where'd you go when you were nice? We went to Fota and we went to um, Glengareth. Oh, fab. Just for, just for the day and we came back again and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing that. There's a lot of people doing that. And you've got a cracker, a belter of a weekend to finish up with for your holidays. Uh, I, I see that, yeah, which is great. Will you get to the beach? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. And tend to get, get away early. Okay, now we have a winning phrase. Do you know what our winning phrase is, please? I do. Play C103. It is indeed. Congratulations to you. You have just won for yourself a C103 smart speaker. Have you? Do you have a smart speaker at home? No. No, it's I your don't. first. Okay. And remember, every morning you get up, play C103. Okay? Pro- Definitely. Promise <laughs> me that. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations and enjoy the rest of your holidays. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Thomas McCarthy, uh, Deer Park in uh, Bandon, uh, winning our C103 smart speaker. Nick has another one of those speakers to give away this afternoon. And Mark is in for Martina. So another one of those. And we'll do it all over again tomorrow. But again, you can only enter. And I could see the phone lines hopping again as soon as I called it out. It's not by phone. You have to register by text or WhatsApp when we give you the queue to text our WhatsApp and then we select one come on air winning phase play C103 that's the C103 smart speaker giveaway with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships now a couple of minutes ago I mentioned that a listener was talking about home security and saying how's this for home security when uh, my window is broken been onto the council need to have the lock replaced council won't come out and fix it and then that led to Michael and Skibbereen saying I'm sick of hearing texts and comments like that to your programme Uh, Patricia why can't that woman go out and buy a window lock and get somebody she knows to install it and he said no wonder the council stuck for money when you have the likes of people like that who won't just go away and fix a window lock themselves well Trish was on to say that she's in a council house and she had a problem with her toilet in that it wouldn't flush properly and it went on for about eight months she said she was getting sick and tired a little bit like our listener ringing about the window lock I've sick and tired of constantly getting onto the council to say will you come out I have a problem with the flush on my toilet and she said she eventually one day rang and said okay this is what I'm doing I'm going to get a private plumber to come into the house I'm going to get them to fix what's wrong with the flush on the toilet and then I'm going to send the bill to the council and she was told there and then if you do that and something goes wrong then she would be liable for any future repairs. And also, they told her straight out that they would not pay uh, the bill if she did get a private plumber to come in, that she wouldn't, that they wouldn't pay for it. Well, I think in fairness, Trish, it's slightly different. I think what Michael was suggesting wasn't suggesting that our listener goes and employs a joiner to come in and fix it. Michael was suggesting that the lady who sent in the text would just go and get... A, you know, a family member go out and buy a window lock and get a family member you know do, do we all have somebody in the family that's a bit handy that might be able to do it 1850 okay we need to turn our attention to the animals in the household have you a pet question for us if so uh, get it in you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie just spotted a text in 
in the middle of all of the texts that came in for our smart speaker uh, competition saying, Hi Patricia, would you wish the best of luck to Maeve O'Neill, who is a 17-year-old from Dohany's Athletic Club. She's an athlete from Ballina Carriga near Dunmanway. She'll be representing Ireland in the women's under-20 800-metre run this afternoon in Estonia. It's the European Under-20 Championships. Best wishes to her from all at Donaghy Athletic Club and everyone in Dunmanway. Phil Healy is known as the Balanine Bullet. Well, Maeve is the Balanacarriga Bullet, says this listener. Thank you for that. So the best of luck. Now, she obviously won't be listening to us, but hopefully some of her family will tell her. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, that we wish Maeve only the very best of luck and keep, a, keep an ear out or a listen out for the results of that race this afternoon as part of the European Under 20 Championships. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now we need to go to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group where Jane Pickett uh, joins me, our resident vet. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let me get straight into uh, questions. Joe Manway was on to say, my pet rescue greyhound has a fractured hock. It was from running around the garden. Now, the vet has put a lovely pink bandage on him and he's healing well. But I'm wondering if Jane would suggest, could I give him calcium tablets? Would calcium tablets help to make his bones a little bit stronger? Um, this is an interesting one. So, first of all, well done for rehoming a retired greyhound. I have one myself and they make the loveliest pets. Um, they can, however, have the legacy of racing injuries. Um, and generally, it's from the carpus, so that's the wrist area on the, the front leg, and also the hocks, which is kind of the ankle area on the back leg. Um, and they are, by their very nature, a little bit on the fragile side, um, as, as breeds of dogs go. With this particular situation, um, there are a number of things that go, can go wrong with the hawk, so it wouldn't be fair for me to comment on, 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 let's say, management of that. But from the point of view of calcium use, it's not generally something I would advise unless there is a problem. Um, so 
really interestingly, very much like um, ourselves having calcium as part of a balanced diet and that can help to improve bone density. Um, that can go for animals as well. However, the really important thing to be aware of is that by giving calcium, if we give too much, we can actually really upset the bone density and be a bit counterproductive. So our bone is really, really dependent on the balance between two things, calcium and phosphorus, one of the other compounds. And they have to be kind of in the diet in the right amounts. And normally in, let's say, the commercially available good quality diets, that would be very finely tuned to, so that it will promote good bone health. Um, as well as all of the function of the internal organs otherwise. But if we start supplementing things in kind of an unscientific manner, a lot of the time we can actually be causing more harm than good. There are select, let's say, diseases of developing dogs where we might suggest um, supplementing particular minerals such as calcium or phosphorus. Um, but generally our fallback is just make sure you focus on a really good quality, complete diet. Um, so if that's in place for your dog, there's probably no need to supplement. And generally it won't prevent any kind of bone injuries in an adult dog. It's, it's usually in the developing dogs where we might need to keep a really close eye on that. Um, but if you have any concerns or you want to discuss whether your diet is appropriate just to promote ongoing good health and bone density, have a discussion with your vet about what diet you're on, whether it's appropriate for your dog's life stage and body condition. And I'm sure they'll be able to guide you in the right direction. But I'd be very, very nervous about supplementing. Um, okay, with, with single, calcium. Okay, Margaret yeah. was on. She has a, a little dog. He, she gave him a worm tablet about six weeks ago. He also had his glands emptied four weeks ago. But she's just noticed this morning he's dragging his rear end along the ground. What do you think could be going on there? Okay, so it actually sounds like our listener is kind of concentrating quite rightly on, on the two things that are the most common. So the most common causes of dragging the bottom along the floor, or what we kind of colloquially call scooting, um, would be a worm infestation, most commonly with a tapeworm, which almost look like little grains of rice that you might see at the back end if the worms are mature. And they can cause a lot of itchiness actually around the back end. So sometimes they're scratching themselves because they might have a parasite. And sometimes they might be scratching their bottom on the floor because their anal glands are full. So dogs have two little glands, two little scent glands that are four o'clock and eight o'clock around the around the anus. And they normally fill up with contents and then empty every time the dog poos a little bit. So a kind of a normal motions will keep everything moving with the anal glands. So generally they don't become a problem. But sometimes if, let's say, a dog goes through a period of having very soft stools, it may not be emptying the glands properly as the dog poos. So we can get almost like a, it's almost like a slow flowing river or an oxbow lake. All of the contents of the glands just become a little bit stagnant. And because it's a warm, wet area, it is an absolute perfect place for a bacterial party to happen. And sometimes we can get infections as well as impactions where the glands won't empty. So sometimes this can happen on a one-off basis for for no reason that we can really pinpoint, but some dogs really do have a lot of trouble with their anal glands. And sometimes that's just due to their conformation, so the way their body is built up, or if they're particularly prone to infections, or even if they just regularly don't have very firm stools that empty the glands. What I would say is that if you've done a worming tablet six weeks ago, as long as your dog is an adult, that's probably adequate. But I just double check that you got the tablet from either a vet or a pharmacist because we're allowed to carry products that are generally well tested and work and we know they're effective. If you got the product from somewhere else, just maybe have a second think as to, well, has this really worked and should I visit my vet for a tablet? Um, because some products on the, on the market maybe don't work as well as they, they say they will. Um, 
The second thing I would say is if the glands were emptied four weeks ago and the scooting has stopped but then started again, it could be an anal gland problem. And what I would say is don't lose faith in your vet because anal gland issues can actually be really frustrating. I know they're really frustrating for you as an owner. They're distressing for the pet. But for us as vets as well, they're really, really a challenge sometimes to pinpoint exactly what's causing it. And sometimes it can be that we can't really cure the problem, but we can manage it ongoing so that it has minimal impact for your quality of life, but most importantly, your pet's quality of life. So I would say that if your dog is scooting again, this definitely warrants a visit to the vet again so that they can assess the glands and just make sure that your worming is appropriate. Okay, and I think you've actually, your answer there is the very same answer you'd be giving to Catherine because she's describing very same thing going on with her 13-year-old Labrador who's fully wormed and it's a neighbour has said it could be the anal glands. Can it suddenly start in a 13-year-old dog who didn't have a history of it before? It can do. It will be less common, but sometimes these things just happen. I suppose in an older dog, we, we can have other problems that come into play. So sometimes we, we can have, let's say, just a, a single incidence of an anal gland impaction or infection. But more rarely, we can have, let's say, masses or cancers that grow in the anal glands and they can present with very similar signs to an anal gland infection. So particularly in an older dog, this is one I would definitely get checked out. OK. Hi, um, Jane. I have an 11-week-old Maltese Shih Tzu. Uh, His tummy was really upset when we got him. He was being fed on adult dog food. So obviously we changed his diet immediately and thankfully he is better and he's starting to gain weight. My question, how many meals should he be on a day? At the moment we have him on four smallish meals evenly spaced out. It's made up of chicken, puppy nibbles and cooked peas and carrots. Bit of rice now and again. Thanking you, that's Jackie in Mallow. Advice on a Maltese Shih Tzu, 11 weeks old. Okay, this is a really interesting one. I think our our listener has taken very good steps initially by changing it from an adult dog food onto a puppy dog food. That's really, really key because I suppose very similar to our first question about the adding calcium to a diet and bone density. In particularly in puppies because they are laying down the the kind of foundation of their skeleton that will be with them for the rest of their life. It's really important to make sure that you're feeding a really good quality well-balanced complete puppy food and that will be different to a good quality well-balanced complete adult food because it just has the balance of minerals and vitamins and proteins and fats a little bit different to be suiting a growing skeleton so it's really important to feed a puppy food probably for much longer than you think even up to 12 months of age before you'd move them onto an adult food so discuss that with your vet about four meals a day sounds reasonable. Three to four would be appropriate for, for a dog of that age. I think usually around 12 to 14 weeks, you can move back to maybe three, three smaller meals and a snack. Um, and, and your dog will very much guide you as to, to what, what kind of pattern will suit them. But that sounds appropriate. The one thing I would say that I would have some concerns about is that the things that will be fed in addition to the puppy kibble. So um, let's say in small amounts, chicken, rice, peas are are not harmful. And sometimes as vets, we do suggest they're fed for, um, let's say, an isolated incident of a GI upset or diarrhea. But longer term for a puppy, it's not particularly nutritionally appropriate. So what I would say is you really need to focus on the complete diet as per the kibble. I know for us as humans, we think that, you know, it adds a bit more variety. Maybe it's a bit healthier, but actually for puppies, the healthiest thing they can be on is um, solely a complete puppy diet. Because if, let's say, 50% of their food is nuts and 50% of it is the home-cooked portion, 
they're really only having 50% of their diet as a scientifically based complete diet and the other half we're really not certain about. So I would advise speaking to your vet about moving to entirely a complete puppy diet and if that doesn't sit well with their tummy and, and make the change over gradually of course there are plenty of brands on the market and there will be something to suit your puppy in that situation but speak to your vet about what ones they would recommend, what ones are available in the area and most importantly what ones are tested so that we know that scientifically they produce a, a good scale good internal organs and it'll set your puppy up for a great happy healthy life okay good advice uh, we'll chat again next week jane in the meantime thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining thank us thank you uh, good afternoon to you jane pickett of the islandwood veterinary hospital in newmarket part of the mill street veterinary group and mary by whatsapp says just to comment on the idea of the hairdressers the sheer haven where they get online uh, training and where they can notice and offer advice on domestic abuse. Uh, Mary says, I also hope that men's barbers are included in the training process. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually covered that. It was one of the points that Liz McKeown uh, said it's not just for women, it's uh, for men uh, as well. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Witch for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMI Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.